0: all right happy wednesday evening everybody welcome back to another episode of straight out left tonight we're going to be talking about which teams have the best of the best which ones have the best lineups the best rotations the best bullpens we're going to be getting all into it so stick around you won't want to miss this all right happy wednesday night everyone Opening day is tomorrow, and it is the most exciting time of the year. The tension and the excitement has just been building and building and building. And tomorrow, the marathon baseball season starts. It's a long, long race, but it's a fun race, and it all starts tomorrow. So with that that in mind, tonight we are going to be doing a little more looking ahead to the season for one last night and talking about... Which teams have the best rotations, lineups, and bullpens in the major leagues? So I have here, I have lists of the top six in each category, lineups, bullpens, rotations. Top six, you ask? Because I try to do top five because I feel like top five, like a top five is, you know, the elite of the league. Like that's, you know. The, be- the very best. Like if you did a top 10, you'd be getting close to some teams who are closer to average. So I wanted to cover which teams have are the most elite in these categories. But however, I always have a problem with picking just five. It's so hard to get narrow it down to five. That I figured six would be a fun little compromise. Plus, you know, you don't see too many top six list around, lists around. So figured why not uh, differentiate a little bit? Um, so the criteria here, basically it's, um, it's up to my own research. I'm not basing enough of a war list from fan graphs or what Anthony kastrovin says at LB.com, Although I do reference those things I combine those things and other things to make my decision. And it's not based on you. It has to be a group that you have. I have a lot of confidence will perform well. Like for example, I'm going to give an example of a team that won't work. The blue Jays rotation wouldn't, barely misses out for me, because while they have the really good top of uh, Gossman, Manoa, and then Bassett add to that, Barrios and Kikuchi and Ryu and anyone else who could pitch for them is a big question mark, very iffy, and too iffy. Now, if things go right for the Blue Jays, they would absolutely, I think, be one of the best rotations in baseball, but there's too much of an if there. So does that make sense? I'm not going for like which teams have the highest ceiling. It's more of a, what teams am I the most confident will do well? Like you don't need a ton to go right for them to be one of the best. Cause you know, a lot can go right for every team and how ha- they can suddenly, suddenly a pitching staff or a lineup can turn to one of the best units in the whole game. And conversely, you know, people can crash and burn really badly. So right now hanging to the season, these are what I think are the top six in each thing each category. So each thingy. Um, so let's get started. Let's dive in here to the lineups. Why don't we? So for our starting lineups, um, this was actually easier. It was really easy to boil it down to seven teams. And then um, getting, getting rid of just one was super hard, but uh, I will give that one an honorable mention here. The New York Yankees. You know, you've got the reigning MVP in your lineup. You've got some youngsters like Anthony Volpe who could really make be a huge difference maker. But for me, there's just not quite the well roundedness that you'd like. Like I talked about this with Joe a few weeks ago. You know, you'd love to see guys like Donaldson and Lemayhew and Rizzo improve, but can they? And there's too many ifs where I don't think they're quite there. They're definitely one of the. They're I'd say if I was making a top ten list, top ten lot for sure, but. Not quite top six. We won't be going far away from the Bronx, though, for the sixth best lineup. I think uh, the New York Mets unit is pretty well put together. Just looking at here on fan graphs, you've got Brandon Nimmo, who is one of the best. Um, one of the best on base guys in the game. Provides some power, a little bit of speed. You know, good all around hitter for sure. Sterling Marte, really speedy, even though he's a vet. Still can swipe about 20, 25 bags a year. Power's still there, too. Definitely a plus. You know, Lindor, one of the best shortstops in the game. The average has gone down a little bit as his time in New York, but the power is still there. Pete Alonzo, I don't need to say anything else. If Goldschmidt is not in the fact equation, Alonzo's hands down the best hitting first baseman in the National League. You got a bagging champ in there, Jeff McNeil. I mean, that guy is also non base machine, and he's got a little bit of pop two to go with it. Mark is also really good at just being kind of a plus guy. He's not going to wow you with crazy power numbers, but he gets on base. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's got a good eye at the plate. Um, Eduardo Escobar is a veteran that's been doing it for a while. Omar Narvaez, you can definitely do a lot worse for a hitting catcher than him. He's had some really good offensive years in the past, and I think that some of his projections are a little too harsh, honestly. I think this guy could turn out a really good year for them. And Dan Vogelbach, I mean, you're going to get a lot of power and a lot of walks, not much else. But, you know, the um the on-base ability helps. And then the fact that he can crush a ball and knock it out of the park at any time is just icing on the cake. There's your DH. Um. So, yeah, the Mets lineup, it's definitely, you know, and not every, not every starting night is without questions. I mean, like, will Narvaez handle it? But, I mean, we got Francisco Alvarez on the way, too. Can Vogelbach be a consistent guy? You've got Tommy Pham as well. So, and yeah, I'm looking just at the starting lineup. I mean, I can't, I didn't base too much of it on if Alvarez is going to make his debut or not, but it's a good, well-rounded lineup. You've got this power, you've got the average, you've got the speed, you've got the on-base ability, you've got everything. So the Mets lineup is going to be a tough uh, one to face in 2023. Uh, coming in at number five, I, this, I had to look into this a little more. Initially, I, I wasn't too uh, too keen on these guys, but then as I did the research and looked at more numbers, I kind of got more into it. So that's the St. Louis Cardinals. So, of course, I mean, you've got Paul Goldschmidt Nolan Arenado at the corners, two of the best hitters at their position, not less side of the defensive ability as well. This is kind of more of a strictly offensive exercise. You bring one of the, the best offensive catchers in the game and Wilson Contreras to replace Yadier Molina. You've got Lars Newtbar, who had a nice year last year. He's a huge breakout candidate for me, and he looked really fun in the WBC. Watch out for this guy, because if he can get his back going, there could be a ton of power here. Uh, Nolan Gorman and Brandon Donovan are both solid. Tommy Edmond is your shortstop. Tommy Edmond is an absolute fiend on the base path. So, again, you've got the power with Goldschmidt, Arenado, and uh, Contreras, not to mention Tyler O'Neill. You've got the batting average element with, uh, I feel like, you know, Donovan or. Edmund or Will Goldschmidt and Aaron as well provide good averages. And then Jordan Walker is a huge X factor for them too. He's looked really good. I mean, you don't call up a guy who's not even 21 yet to be your starting left fielder on opening day for no reason. So, you know, Walker will probably have some growing pains this year, but I think kind of similar, you know, maybe he'll follow the Julio Rodriguez trajectory, like have a rough first couple weeks, but then turn things on and turn into a dynamic playmaker. I have a lot of, I mean, I have a lot of high hopes for this kid, and I think that he will be a catalyst for a Cardinals lineup that will be a pretty tough out one through nine here. I'm looking through here, and there's not really any slouches in here right now, so that's what you want to see. Coming at number four, the Houston Astros. You know, you can. Lots of people said these guys were the best lineup. Some people had them out of the top five, honestly. For me, I talked about this with uh, with Leo when we did our Astro season preview. The bottom half of the lineup is a little iffy, like Mauricio Dubon, Jake Myers, Chas McCormick. Those guys, you're not quite so sure. <clears throat> well, Dubon's playing because of Altuve's injury, so when Altuve gets back, that'll help a lot. But still, like they don't quite have that the outfield depth that you would maybe like. Because uh, we're looking at right now, Brantley's going to be recovering from injury. still. is going to be gone for a bit, but you still got you got Pena, who had a nice rookie year last year, and it may, hopefully can feed off of his incredible playoff run and continue to improve in his sophomore year. Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, need I say more? Cal Tucker, I mean that's the core right there. That's really scary, as well as newcomer Jose Abreu. I think he'll do just fine in Houston as well. And then yeah, getting Altuve back will be huge as well. So you know. They're, they won the World Series for lots of reasons last year. The lineup definitely was part, I mean, everything was a part of it, but the lineup is, was really important. I mean, you've got the absolute monster that Alvarez is. You've got the young speedster in uh, Pena. Kyle Tucker can do it all. He can hit home runs. He can hit for average. He can get on base. He can steal bags. Altuve still does his thing. You know, Chaz McCormick also wasn't, like you can do far worse as a center fielder. You could also do, you could do a lot better. He's pretty average, but he can always improve. And then, yeah, adding a Abreu to uh, play first base, which was kind of an offensive weakness last year, is a big plus. So not quite the best in the game, but definitely up there for sure. Coming in at our number three spot, we've got the San Diego Padres lineup. Again, similar to the um, the Astros, there is a couple question marks where you're hoping some guys will kind of kind of uh, overachieve or just you're banking on them keeping up uh, trends with little sample size. But I mean, you can't argue with the top of it. I mean, Bogart, Soto, Machado, Cronenworth. That's a tough out and then in three weeks we'll be getting Tatis back into that mix as well so then those are five hitters that are you can stack them up against any other top five hitters in a lineup in the rest of the league and it holds up for sure and then Trent Grisham you know he's a great center fielder the um the offensive production was a little bit down last year but he still showed a little pop and he has shown that he can be well a well above average offensive uh player in the past so you're hoping that last year is more of an aberration than anything, but I think he he also was really clutch in the playoffs last year, which is something you don't always I mean you can't quantify, but it's not always as noticeable. But he does he did get big hits when it mattered. So he'll be there. Hassan Kim, what a revelation he was last year. Playing great defense as well as being above average in most categories for hitting. He did a good job last year and he's getting rewarded with another shot. And I think he adjusted nicely after a rough uh, first stint in the big leagues austin Nola's is a fine catcher you got cruz and carpenter as well providing some veteran uh some varying aid i think carpenter could turn and could have a really nice year for these guys Cruz, it's a little iffier but if he he can pr- just be that bench looming bench dh guy who can pop a home run or two off of you for sure uh, so, yeah, this Padres lineup, and again, you can't argue with Soto, Tatis, Bogarts, Machado, and Croningworth. That is uh, as good as it gets. If the rest of the lineup was a little more certain, this lineup would be the best in the majors, no doubt. And then coming in at number two, we got the Atlanta Braves. Again, a very, very good one through nine here. You've got Ronaldo Acuna Jr., Now again, I said I'm not going to go too much into ifs, but I don't have too much doubt that Ronald Acuna is going to rebound after a not bad year. He was still a good hitter; he just was not Acuna level. I think he'll get back up. He'll get his OPS uh, back up in the high 800s, low 900s, like he usually does. You know, steal all those bags, and then keep in mind you got another kind of younger version of him and Michael Harris in uh, his counterpart in the outfield who can also steal and hit home runs. Like both of these guys could have the potential, I think, to put up 30-30 seasons. So you got that. You've got Austin Riley and Matt Olson at the corners who can absolutely mash. I think Marcelo Zuna still got a little bit left in the tank as well. Ozzie Albies, he seems like he's healthy and ready to go. He is one of the best offensive second basemen in the game, provides a little more speed as well. Sean Murphy, I mean, you took a a position that was already an offensive strength and you added – to it. You still have Travis Starno as your backup now, and now you've got Sean Murphy. And Murphy also, the numbers he put up were good, and he was p- playing in Oakland, which is one of the worst uh, parks to hit in, plus being in a lab with no protection. Now suddenly he's hitting seventh, and you think, oh great, I got through Olson, Riley, and Harris. Now suddenly, oh, Sean Murphy can hit a three-run bomb off of me if he wants to. Andrew Rosario, I mean, last year with LASIK and everything, that seemed a little weird. But I think he can get back back into the swing of things. And, you know, they don't need him to be a centerpiece of the lineup; They just need to be a good supporting character. So I think the pressure is off of him, definitely. So it's really tough. I mean, even with losing Dansby Swanson, the Braves still look really good. Von Grissom will eventually get a shot, and I'm convinced he's going to be a really good hitter as well. Orlando Garcia, you know, he, he's shown some capabilities as well. So, yeah. Very good lineup for the Braves. Some people have these guys uh, as high as for best lineup. Not quite for me, though. The best lineup in the whole big leagues is the Toronto Blue Jays. This Blue Jays lineup is terrifying. You got George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladdy Jr., Dalton Add to the mix, Alejandro Kirk, uh, Matt Chapman. Keep in mind, Chapman... You know, maybe you'd like his average to be higher, but he still has hits plenty of homers. And he's going into a free agent walk year where he will be one of the few, besides Shohei Otani, Matt Chapman could be the best, potentially the best offensive player on the free agent market next year. So you know that he has every motivation in the world to play his heart out this year. You've got Santiago Espinal, who's a very good second baseman, and Kevin Kiermaier, who can provide plenty of offensive value in his own way. For sure, um, at the bottom there. So 1 through 9, no slouches in this lineup whatsoever. There's nothing that I'm really worried about except maybe, and I'm confident that Brandon Belt can bounce back and be a solid DH for them. But yeah, running through this, I'm not, there's, this lineup is an absolute like machine that I'm looking at here. Like it looks super good and super scary. So those are my, uh, those are my lineup rankings. So Blue Jays have the best one. Now on to the sewing rotation. This one was hard. This one took me forever to wheel down to six. Um, I'd like to give a few honorable mentions to the Rays. You know, you got McClanahan. You've got guys like Springs and Rasmussen. I'm a little concerned how those guys will, if they'll continue to keep up their overachieving from last year and make it not overachieving, but their standard. And then Glasnow, if Glasnow is a big X factor, we get two iffy. To put them in the top, if Glasnow's healthy and Springs and Rasmussen pitch well, then this rotation is definitely one of the best in baseball. But too many ifs. The Blue, Blue Jays, as I mentioned, too many ifs in the back end. Top end's really good. Um, Rangers, again, too many ifs. DeGrom will be really good. And I'm not too concerned about his health. But I just feel like with how many guys they brought in, I just... I'm a little concerned at how much money they threw around and just historically that doesn't seem to work out too well for the Rangers. And, you know, guys like, uh, Heaney and Ivaldi and Odorizzi, they're all still injury risks. So there's too much injury risk. I, this was barely missed out. Like I was weighing them. I was like, Oh shoot. And then the, uh, the uh, um, Astros did not make this list either. Lou, Lou, uh, Leo's freaking out right now if he's listening to this. The Astros are not quite there. They're a little too... Um, they're, there's just a few too many questions after losing Verlander. Fromber and Krishnavi are going to be really good. It's Arkady, McCullers, and Garcia that I'm worried about. So who is the top six then? I'm going a little more gung-ho on these guys. Um, I have them a little higher than most people do. Most people think these guys are about top 10 rotation. I think they're one of the best of the best. I think the Seattle Mariners have a really, really nice rotation because they have their ace in Luis Castillo. Logan Gilbert was amazing last year as a rookie, and I'm expecting more of the same. Robbie Ray, you can do far worse for uh, number three. Um, you'd like the numbers to go back up to his 2021 form maybe a little more. But still, all the strikeouts he gets, it makes it worth it as long as he keeps those walks down and keeps that ERA in the mid-threes. Can't do much better than that. George Kirby looked pretty good last year too. I mean, he's a top first-round uh, pick back in 2019, so the, the sky's the limit for this kid. And then Marco Gonzalez, lefty innings eater, is your fifth guy. I He's... He's got, he'd be like a two or three on some like bad rotations. I think he can definitely get done still, even though he doesn't have flashy numbers, but yeah, just a really good, well-rounded one through five. I mean, yeah, maybe I wouldn't give Gonzalez the ball in game seven of the ALCS, but I don't think maybe people would give that to their fifth star. You have a four man playoff rotation for a reason, but yeah, super good sky's the limit. There's so much potential here for Kirby and Gilbert, especially, so, yeah, I'm really bullish on these uh, these Mariners and their starters. Coming in at number five, I'm not quite – some people have these guys way higher than I do. It's the Braves rotation. There's a few – it's a little iffy, but the uh, pros, I guess, outweigh the, um, outweigh the cons. So, I mean, the pros. You've got Max Fried and Spencer Strider and Kyle Wright at the top there. I mean – really good one two three punch you've got charlie morton and Ion anderson on the back which they're those that's where the ifs come in i think that anderson can definitely rebound from a rough uh rough uh season last year morton you don't know he's 39 and while we see guys like scherzer and verlander continue to pitch well i mean into their 40 or verlander in his 40s now how much longer does Morton have he didn't look the he wasn't his usual elite self last year. The numbers are definitely regressing a little bit, but he can still be a capable fourth arm, definitely. Um, you just hope he doesn't regress too much, but I don't think he will quite yet. But again, the upside of the young guys like Strider and Max Fried will be um will outweigh that. And uh Jared Schuster is also in the picture right now because uh Wright's, deal, Wright's uh starting the year on the IL, so top prospect there. He could also turn some heads, definitely. Coming in at the fourth rotation, I've got the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies' rotation was an unexpected strength for them last year as they made their surprise uh, NL pennant run. You've got that dominant one-two punch of Nola and Wheeler at the top, which they can... I was was I was listening to John Boy talk about this or talking baseball, and I think Trevor was the one who said, "Like these guys can absolutely just ruin a series for another team. Like you got those two guys, you give them the ball twice each in a best of seven series, and they showed it last year. They can get it done for sure. You then you added Taiwan Walker. That's a nice addition. He he slots in nicely. He's not never going to be an ace kind of guy, but good third supporting guy." Then you've got uh, Ranger Suarez, who currently is dealing with forearm tightness and looks to start there on the IL, but he, is, he was a fine third option last year anyway. But now he and Walker in the back end there, along with guys like uh, Bailey Falter, who has some work to do, but he can definitely continue to improve and uh, match Strom as well. You've got a really nice unit here. The Phillies rotation is going to, I think, be a strength that maybe doesn't get enough uh, credit almost. Uh, Number three, there's there's a few ifs about these guys too. I mean, there's ifs with every pitching staff, but I think that there's so much upside here, you can't ignore it. And that's the Mets starting rotation. You're wondering, can Verlander and Scherzer keep it going? I think yes. I mean, Verlander won a Cy Young last year as a 39-year-old coming off of Tommy John. Maybe expecting that again would be a little unrealistic, but I think he'll still give you ace material. Max Scherzer. You know, still doing his thing. Love the guy. Then you've got uh is going to be out for a while, which definitely hurts. But then you got Kodai Senga bringing in that, uh, that fork ball or whatever it is they throws over from Japan. If he, if he balls out that top of the rotation right there is going to be really scary. And then bringing Quintana for in time for the playoffs, have him do his thing. I, I like him a lot. I think that last year's Quintana is what we're going to see more of this year. And then you know even with the injuries you still have Carrasco and Peterson. David Peterson is around 2, so I mean they're both fine for back end rotation guys. They can step up and fill holes when needed. I'm not too worried about that at all. So when you look at it even though there's some questions, there is the depth that present to make up for it. So that doesn't uh that doesn't concern me as much. I think that they have the means to handle some of these Inevitable curveballs are going to get thrown at them this year. No pun intended. Uh, number two, barely. I was really weighing this. Like, who's the number one? The Milwaukee Brewers are the number two. Just not quite there, but still really, really good. Corden Burns, for all of the um, hurt feel. I don't want to say hurt feelings. I make it makes it sound childish. For all the grievances he has with the Brewers, and I think justifiably so, being so stingy over less than a million dollars in arbitration and then trying to make him sound like he's just this no good bum who doesn't pull his weight um, is very tough to hear. And he's probably, if the brewers aren't doing well, this guy's going to be gone at the deadline. But if the brewers do contend, which I think they can and burn sticks around, he is definitely one of the best pitchers in the whole league you know, Cy Young winner, strikeout numbers are off the charts. And you got Brian Woodruff is his number two. And then Freddie Peralta is in number three. You're looking pretty good there. I mean, Peralta's got electric stuff. Woodruff's the more unsung, kind of fly under the radar guy, but he still gets it done. He's been doing it year in and year out for the Brewers and is really good as well. So that three-head monster there is crazy. The re- reemergence of Eric Lauer, since he came to Milwaukee, he's pitched really well as well. You can't. You can rely on him in some big games for sure, I think. And then you've got Wade Miley as kind of the vet. You want to see how he does this year. He's played in Milwaukee before and done well. You've also got uh, Aaron Ashby, who will return from the I.L. soon, kind of more of the younger, unproven guy. Adrian Hauser, some depth as well, though. He's also on the I.L. with a strained groin at the moment. But again, you've got the high-end talent. You've got the depth. This Brewers unit is going to be another another year of this. We've been saying this for a while about the Brewers, but they're going to be uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for sure. And then that segues into the number one unit, and that is the New York Yankees. The example here of high end talent and having a abundance of options, not um, kind of counteracting some of the uh, the concerns that are slightly present. Because if you look at it here, the Yankees, um, they on paper coming into the year, definitely far and away had the best rotation. I mean, if uh, if there weren't some injury concerns, I wouldn't be even thinking about putting the Brewers ahead of them. But alas, there are Frankie Montas is going to be out for a good while. But however, I wasn't I don't really see too many Yankees people thinking that he was going to be the X factor for them. Um. Carlos Rodon is also dealing with some injury concerns as well as Luis Severino. However, both guys are expected back very soon, especially Rodon. They're very optimistic. They just want to make sure that his forearm strain is completely healed and he's ready to go before they rush him back in. They don't see any urgency to push him back in. Same with Severino, which I like. So these guys will be back soon, and I'm confident that they can stay healthy the rest of the year. And then you couple that then with Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez – and you've got a four, a group of four, that playoff rotation is going to be really, really hard to go against because they're all different. I mean, you've got the lefty in Rodon. You've got the funky Cortez. You've got Cole who just blows it by you and is the true workhorse. Then you've got Severino who's kind of more, you know, got a lot of movement and does all that stuff. And then you've got, I mean, as other options, you've got Clark Schmidt who's a former first-round draft pick, and he's not terrible. And Domingo Herman, who can eat innings and do things for you, so in the absence of Severino and um, Rodon, these guys are going to take on more of a load. And then Montas will also be back at some point. He's gonna—he didn't have a great time in New York last year. He's gonna need to bounce back. Maybe he can if he comes back in late in the season and provides that little boost in the middle of the pennant race. That makes things all the tougher. It's never. A bad thing to have too many pitching options come October. So Boone could definitely have that on his hands. So Yankees, best starting rotation, I think. Even with some of these injury concerns, I think they will get past it. There's not, there's so much, so many pros that the ifs kind of get outweighed. So yeah, looking, uh, got some fine units there. And then last but certainly not least, we've got to talk about our bullpens here. Bullpens are tough because... You know the value or the like this the differences between each bullpen is pretty minute. Like if you like I'm just gonna use the example of like projected war. like every bullpen's projected war is within like a tenth of a run of each other. So it's really hard to kind of um, differentiate sometimes because some some teams might have that amazing closer, that j- and setup combination that just completely, makes up for the unprovenness of the rest of the bullpen. Some bullpens don't have a set closer and they do a committee thing and just everyone, all the top six arms are all super good. But there's no like kind of household name sort of guys. So it's um it's kind of tough to pick, to differentiate. But I tried. Let's give some honorable mentions out first. Um, the Rays, again, just missing out. The hard part is, is you don't know who the Rays are going to be using in their bullpen. It's a whole, like, with the Rays, there's always guys in the bullpen who I'm like, who's this guy? And then by August or September, I know who they are because they suddenly turn into this amazing, amazing pitcher. I mean, they take 30th-round draft picks from other teams and turn them into star-closer setup guys. It's crazy. And the Phillies, while they're bullpen – Definitely improved a ton from being historically bad to being not terrible last year. And they definitely added to it as well over the offseason. It's still not quite in that elite level yet. It could be, but there's a few too many ifs. And there's a few guys who you want to exceed expectations a little bit. Just a little too much for my liking. So not quite there, but close. Very close. So who are our top six bullpens? Let's start off with the San Diego Padres. I'm never going to bet against a bullpen that has Josh Hader in it for sure i think that even though he had a down year statistically it was because of a bad two months and then he got out of his slump just in time for the playoffs and was his usual lights out dominant stuff which was really fun to see i love seeing josh Hader pitch in those big moments because dude's just he's 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 a different animal man um and then you've got uh right now he's dealing with some injuries but he shouldn't be out long term uh Robert Suarez, you've also got Drew Pomeranz, who is recovering from flexor tendon surgery. Looking to build his way back. When he has been a reliever for the Padres in the past, he's been really good. And I'm expecting more of the same once he finishes his rehab assignment. You've got Luis Garcia, Timmy Hill, Nabil Krismat, uh Stephen Wilson, who are all solid. It's just, you know, they're definitely one of the best. But that back end and there's some injury concerns. Like you, you know, you want pomeran pomerans to come back. And you know, like I don't know how comfortable I'd be giving the ball to like a few of these guys in super key situations. But definitely most of them, yes. Like overall, you've got one of the probably the best closer in the game now, especially given not having Diaz this year. And then you've got Suarez and Garcia and Chris Matt. I'm not worried too much at all it's just they're not quite the best but they're definitely one of the best for sure coming in is our fifth option we got the mariners again the mariners have a very good bullpen despite its lack of household names i think i sang their praises this past uh week when i did their season preview you got paul Sewald, who was a dominant closer last year for them you got diego castillo who is absolutely filthy matt brash looked really good as a reliever after not so great as a starter so maybe that's the plan for him long term andres muñoz though what an i talked about him what an absolute stud last year top one or two percentile in most baseball savant stat cast rankings just absolutely blows his fastball by you was basically unhittable for the last half of the season He's going to become a household name, and he's going to continue to come through in big ways for the Mariners. I think, and then you got Pen Murphy, Matt Festa, Chris Flexen. You got some guys you can kind of rotate in there. Murphy is really good as well. So there is a lot of great options here. For the lack of again, like star big names, the Mariners bullpen has a bunch of guys who are about to be big names because they're going to absolutely tear it up in twenty twenty three. And then we've got as our fourth best, we've got the Atlanta Braves. The Braves take note are the only team to be in the top six in all three of these categories. Um really amazing bullpen. Some guys have these this unit as high as the best bullpen overall. For me, it's not quite there, but it definitely could be. If If a few things go right, definitely. You got AJ Minter's your closer, you got Colin McHugh. Uh, Joe Jimenez acquired from the Tigers. You've got Nick Anderson, who has been really good in the past. He was brought in from the Rays via free agency. And then you got – I mean, Dylan Lee's a solid option. And then Rasio Glacius, currently on the IL but should be back soon. You're, you missed Tyler Matzik this year, it's just stink because he's dealing with Tommy John surgery. But Glacius should be back soon. And when he was with the Braves last year, he was absolutely light side. I think he gave up one earned run in like 25 innings or something like that. So absolutely dominant. You know, a top – a group of Minter, Iglesias, McHugh, and Jimenez is going to be really tough to hit. And then if you throw in the X factor of maybe having Kirby Yates return back to his elite all-star closer self, he doesn't even need to be the closer. He just needs to be a serviceable option um, after dealing with injuries for most of the past few years. That could propel this bullpen even further forward. We know he's got the good stuff. Let's see if he can bring it back. But yeah, Braves bullpen is going to be a huge strength for them as well. I mean everything for, about this team is a big asset for them coming in at number three the los angeles dodgers you surprisingly the dodgers only made this was the only thing they were truly i think elite in. they're not bad for sure but just they definitely took some steps back losing some names this offseason but the bullpen still as good as ever evan phillips absolutely went off last year you've got alex Vesia, bruce dargraderall caleb ferguson yancy almonte phil bickford all these guys look super good they all looked good last year they'll continue to be good this uh this next year, um, Daniel Hudson will be coming back from knee surgery soon as well. And we all know that he has had a lot of success in his career in the bullpen. So when he gets back, he could um he will provide even more, uh, even more depth for them. And the amazing thing too is that most of these guys are guys that kind of found out of nowhere. Like Phillips was a waiver claim, Vesia was a low prospect for the Marlins. Gratterall was kind of, Roll had some hype about him, but like Ferguson, Amante, Hudson even. Hudson Hudson was a wash-up starter, you know? So the Dodgers bullpen is going to be, just like they were last year, just a really tough, tough customer, definitely. Then moving on to number two, you know, there's no way to really um, deny how good the Astros bullpen was last year. You know, uh, Anthony Castrovin summed it up perfectly. So let's not overcomplicate things here. The Astros had the best bull, the ranked first in most uh, relief categories last year, and they have not changed a thing. So they're still a top cream of the crop right at the top here. Um, Ryan Presley, amazing closer. Rafael Montero, true revelation last year, and they locked him up to an extension. We'll be seeing more of him for years to come. Brian Abreu, Hector Naris, uh, Phil Maton, Ryan Stanek, Ryan Stanek had microscopic ERA last year, and he didn't even get used that much in the playoffs. He was one of the more like underused relievers for them last uh, during during October last year. So I mean, you have uh, you've got so many options here. I mean, it's it's crazy. There's uh, Dusty Baker will have no shortage of arms to turn to in any given situation. So yeah, I expect more dominance from the Astros, even if that rotation is a little iffy. And iffy by Astros standards, that bullpen is not. There's no ifs ands and buts about it. However, they are not. See, no ifs ands, but I didn't say anything about however's. However, the Cleveland Guardians I think have just a slight amount more upside because you've got Emmanuel Clase who. Uh, maybe Hader's not the best closer in the league right now. Maybe it is Classic. Classe was absolutely phenomenal. Lights out last year. James Karanchak, while he he's been battling injuries, but when he came back last year, he was something was clicking for him because he had good control. His strikeout rate was as high as ever, and about as high as ever. We're talking about like 14, 15 per nine. It's crazy. And then behind them, you've got guys like Eli Morgan, Trevor Stefan, Nick Sandlin. And De Los Santos, who all pitched extremely ridiculously well this uh past season. And then you've got other options too, like Sam Henches. So just like the Astros, no shorts of options, and maybe not the most decorated group, but I think kind of keep an eye on the Guardians as they continue to be the American League pests. That bullpen is going to keep them in so many late close games, and that's what makes that's what helps you when you're, you know, maybe not the First pick for AL for AL champion, but you're in the content in contention. You got to win all those close games, and you definitely will win a lot of close games if you have a bullpen like the Guardians do. So there it is. There's my um, top six and everything. Basically, I know there's going to be a lot of controversy. Me leaving the Astros rotation off. Me putting the uh, Guardians over the Astros bullpen. Me putting the Mariners so high. Maybe me leaving the Yankees off the lineup list. I don't know. There's, as always, that's the beauty of baseball. There's so much room for debate about everything. So I'd love to hear, you know, make your own lists. And, yeah, we'll see how things play out this year. But, anyway, be super excited and get ready to see these, uh, these top groups here just absolutely dominate and tear it up on the diamond. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode of Straight Out Left. It was a very exciting, fun one. As always, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple, Amazon Music, and your other favorite podcasting platforms. Make sure you give it a five-star review or follow it or do whatever you got to do to make sure it shows up in your feed. Keep on the lookout for new content coming out very soon, and I'll talk to you all then.